Let's pray together. Loving God, as we spend time with your word, we pray for your spirit to guide and direct our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, first of all, I should tell you this, that the Bible uh, is thought by many people in academia and uh, in scientific uh, communities to be kind of a, a hocus-pocus book uh, that people with not too many brain cells believe in. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is that they do not really know that the Bible is actually accurate and truthful. And the reason they don't know is because they really don't study it and don't. They just simply glance through it, find some things they could find fault with, and that establishes their pre premise. But when you consider the scriptures and what it teaches you, you, and you, if you understand something about science, you will understand that it is indeed a scientific book. Uh, for example, the Bible uses simple language. It does not use complicated language as I was saying yesterday, uh, because God's intent is that even the child should be able to comprehend how to be saved. Do you understand? And therefore, God does not use complex language. For example, in the, in the beginning, the first, the first anesthesia, and I'm using the big word, uh, is recorded in the scriptures. But it simply says, if you open up your Bible, you'll see in Genesis chapter 2, you'll see then that it says that God put Adam into a deep sleep. Into a what? Deep sleep. Deep sleep. We call that anesthesia. And then it says he opened up the side thereof, pulled out a bone. Uh, we call that surgery. And pulling out the bone, we call that extraction. Uh, and just so that you know, I was trained as a medic in the Army, so I do know a little bit about medicine. Okay. Uh, so then it says that he closed up the side thereof. We call that suturing. And uh, from the bone, then God made something called a clone. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> but a clone, not the way that man makes it a clone the way that God only can make it, a perfect woman. A what? Perfect. A perfect woman. And so God then uses simple terms. He says, God put Adam into a deep sleep, open up the side, pull out the bone, and close the side thereof, and from that he made Eve. Okay. The first irrigation system is found in the Scriptures. It says that the earth was watered with a vapor that came up out of the earth. Those of you who have gardens or you have homes with lawns, you put little uh, tubes in the, in, the, in the lawns, and at the right time, right now, for example, uh, in my home, we have uh, blueberry bushes that we want to keep watered and flowers that we want to keep watered. We're not there, so we got a little gadget that pro is programmed, and it turns on the water at a certain time and turns it off. Okay? Well, God had already made that throughout the earth. And the fact that you can drill down into the earth and tap into one of those tubes demonstrates and proves the reality that God indeed had a irrigation system going. It's just that it got broken up at the time of the flood. But it's still partially there because what you call a well is simply tapping into one of those places where water is flowing. Do you understand? Uh, 
the, there are many, many things in the scriptures that are like that. God simply uses uh, uh, simple language. For example, uh, the speed of light, travel at the speed of light. God says that the angels in the book of Ezekiel uh, travel at the flash of lightning. At what? Flash. flash of lightning. Okay. Uh, God speaks about a strong man called Samson, and people think that that's a, a fairy tale. No one can ever be that strong. Well, when I was a little boy growing up in New York City, uh, there was a man drove up with a weird-looking truck that had like a house in the back and portals for windows, and we, we were attracted by it. We came to see this weird vehicle, and it was one of those old vehicles that was run by chains in the back. How many of you remember any of those trucks? Any, have you seen one of those trucks? Yeah, the first trucks actually were chain-driven. They didn't have what we call transmissions. And so he drove up and parked at my street, and we thought he would look weird, so we went to make fun of him. And it turned out, when he came out, he had bushy white hair, bushy beard, and we started calling him Moses. He didn't like that, so he jumped out of the truck to chase after us. We thought, silly old man, what makes him think he can keep up with us? Well, it turned out he could run faster than we could. And it scared us to death. Well, he uh, stopped, he turned back, went back to the store, to the, to the back of his truck, opened up the back of his truck and said, boys, come over here, I want to show you something. And so he pulled out a spike. A what? A spike. a spike. You know what a spike is, right? The old nails that were driven into the telephone poles so that people can climb up the telephone poles. Okay, so he pulled out a spike, wrapped the handkerchief around the spike, put it in his mouth and bent it in half. We thought it was a trick. Then he took the bent side, put it in his mouth, and shut it like a bobby pin. We were sure it was a trick. We said, give us that. He gave it to us. We threw it on the ground. Sure enough, it was metal. It turned out that he was a mighty atom, A-T-O-M. And you can actually Google the mighty atom, and you go to YouTube, and you'll see actually some uh, uh, clips of the mighty atom in action. He could take horseshoes and bend them in half. Uh, he was able to take a bar, metal bar, in his mouth, hold it, while two ladies would swing while he held the metal bar in his, in his mouth. Okay? With his hair, ladies, listen to this. With his hair, he could hold back a plane from taking off. And with his hair, he could pull a truck full of people in it. I have the pictures of it on my computer, but I'm not, not going to show it to you because i got to rush into the topic I really want to teach you about. But... Uh, today, his son is still alive, one of his boys is still alive, and uh, if you Google it, you'll see this old man, 93 years old, he can take his teeth, grab onto a piece that is tied to a rope, that is tied to a car, and with his brother and, and wife and his girlfriend sitting in the car, he actually, with his teeth, can pull the car. Now, how many of you would like to have those kind of teeth? Huh? All right, and what about you ladies? Wouldn't you like to have that kind of hair? And you can just uh, pull anything you want to with your hair? Okay, so it is true that there are people who are strong enough. And by the way, it turns out that this man is Jewish. His name is Joseph Greenstein. Okay, uh, so there are people in the world who are very, very, very strong. If you see his picture, you'll see that he is not muscular at all. He looks like a typical man without big muscles, 
but with his arms he can take and bend steel uh, and he can do a lot of things. So the reality is that there are people who are strong. Tall people, people think that that's, that's a fairy tale with Goliath. But in Illinois, there was a young man who was born, and by the time he was six years old, how old? Six. He was six years old, he was already six feet tall. Oh. And by the time he was 21, he was 8.7 feet tall. And he could put out his arm like this, and the women who stood under him uh, were standing straight up, uh, and uh, he could put out his arm straight over them, okay? Uh, the man was just a giant, and uh, his, his boot was about this big. And as he would sit next to his mother's shoe, you could see the little shoe in comparison to the big shoe. Uh, he was 21 years old. Unfortunately, he got an uh, infection in his leg, and it killed him. But uh, if he had not died at 21, he was still growing. Okay, eight feet tall. In other words, uh, he would be beyond the ceiling. So, uh, the idea that the Bible tells funny st stories and that's not true uh, is just that people don't know enough about the reality of life and science and they poo-hoo the scriptures when in reality the scriptures are verifiable. They are indeed inspired. They come from the scientists who is great and knowledgeable and understands all things. I want to just show you, pardon me? I want to just show you, by the way, if you want some of the information about who these people are and all that, I have on my computer, I'll give them to you afterwards, okay? And also, I presented yesterday the topic of inspiration. Uh, if you want the document that has all the quotes and everything on inspiration, uh, I need to see your hands and then I need to get the place to copy them and make them available to you. Any of you would like the, the document on inspiration, okay? That has all the statements from the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy about the reality of that the Bible is inspired. Right now, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, pardon me? Did you wanna count? Uh, I'll let you count afterwards. Okay. All right, thank you. Uh, she must be a teacher or something. You're not. Just hold, been around a while. Oh, just been around the world. She's been around the block a few times, okay. Uh, I do want to share uh, a scientific presentation here to show you how advanced science is. By the way, I've met with scientists in different occasions. I remember I was flying to Switz uh, from Switzerland, and while I was waiting at the um, to get to the counter, the lady was taking too much time, and uh, somebody said behind me, we're on the wrong line! And immediately I knew it was an American. And I turned around and I said, no, we're on the right line, we're just here at the wrong time. <laughs> and he looked over my shoulder and said, and what may I ask you to do for a living? <laughs> I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And he said, all right, tell me, why are you people so afraid of evolution? <laughs> and I said, I'm not afraid of something that doesn't exist. <laughs> he said, what? And then I heard, then he said, Yes, you people who have uh, murdered all those people in the dark ages and the churches killed so many people. I said, I'm glad you're up with your information and history. It is true. The Catholic Church did destroy a lot of people under the name of God. You're correct. Then I heard next and I saw, Phew. so I went up to the counter, got my ticket, got on the plane, they upgraded me, so I was happy about that. I relaxed, and as the plane began to 
plane out at, up 34,000 feet. My eyes were closed and I felt something breathing on me. <laughs> and who do you think it was? Yeah. It was that scientist. And what, man? <laughs> so, anyway, the problem was that he thought that uh, he was a scientist and he thought that I, did, I was only a religionist. Um, and so he began to give me some uh, information about evolution. And he was shocked to discover that the information he gave me, I used against him. And he was surprised. He was very surprised. And at the conclusion, I said, look, let me share something with you. I said, before I was a pastor, I was a hoodlum in New York City. My brothers grew up as gang members. We were beating up on people. And if you had come and talked to me the way you talked to me here when I was a hoodlum, you wouldn't be standing. But I said, but thank God, God changed my life. Amen. And I said, all of my brothers, all of my brothers, one was the president of the largest gang in New York City, another one's a terrorist, I was a gang member, etc. All of my brothers were converted by the power of God. And all of them today are serving the community as pastors and teachers, etc. I said, you can't tell me there's no God. And then he settled down and he said, well, I have to be honest with you. I believe there's a God. And so, scientists don't understand that we, it's not that we are funny-duddy people, is that we have something that's solid. We have something what? That's solid. Let me share with you some of that. Uh, in the book of, of Job, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Job, and you'll see in the book of Job uh, some, there are many questions in the book of Job that are scientific questions. What did I say? Many questions are the scientific questions. And the problem is that most of the time we read them and we pass over them. So Job chapter 38, verse 31 and 32, and I'm going to see if I could focus on this. I want you to notice that there are several questions here. Now most of us, what happens is that when we read these questions, we don't understand their significance and we just pass over them. How many of you have read the book of Job? Any of you? Okay. How many of you remember these questions? Hmm? All right. How many of you stopped to analyze the questions? No, you just simply didn't understand it, and you just kept on reading. Okay. But listen, God asked Job, can you bind the sweet influence of the Pleiades or lose the bands of Orion? Can you bring forth Masrith in his seasons, or can you guide Arcturus with his sons? All right. Now, these scientific questions... Uh, were written because Job had been asking questions of God. And finally, after all the questioning that Job made, God said, okay, Job, I'm going to ask you some questions, and I demand an answer. So he began to ask Job the questions. Now, let's look at some of these questions. Look at the last one. Can you guide what? Arcturus with his sons. Who is or what is Arcturus? All right, now... You have to understand that in those days there were no telescopes. No what? There were no telescopes. So everything people saw with the naked eye is what you and I can see with the naked eye tonight. If you go out and there's no clouds, it's not raining, you can see the stars. What they saw is what you see. All right? Now, the question then is can you guide Arcturus with his sons? Here's a picture of Arcturus. This is a telescopic picture of Arcturus. All right? What is or who is Arcturus? 
Arcturus is actually a runaway star. There it is down at the bottom. Can you see it here? And presently, it is flying close to our Milky Way. This is the Milky Way. This is where we live. Okay? So Arcturus is flying. And it's been flying now for 3,500 years at least. Because Job was written about 3,500 years ago. And this is a modern-day picture of Arcturus. Which means that 3,500 years later, Arcturus is still flying. So, God asked the question of Job. Job, can you guide Arcturus with his sons? So, what is Arcturus? Well, our sun is 1,300,000 times bigger than the earth. How big? 1,300,000 times bigger than the earth. Arcturus is 1,000 times bigger than our sun. Okay? So, this particular orb is, is the only single star recorded flying through space with whatever is, is with it. It is not held to any uh, orbit, like our sun is held to a, a certain position. Okay? This particular star is actually flying through space. It's been flying now for 3,500 years. Uh, here's the actual size of our sun in comparison to the size of Arcturus. Now, uh, here's our Milky Way, okay? And by the way, Arcturus is traveling at 925,000 miles per hour. How fast? 925,000 miles per hour. That's about 256 miles per second. Is that fast, yes or no? Yes. Okay. So, here's this humongous orb, a thousand times bigger than our sun, traveling at 925,000 miles per hour, and it has not lost speed in the 3,500 years. Now, think of the significance of the question that God is asking Job. All right? Here's our Milky Way. If that, if that particular star would actually go through our Milky Way, can you see how dense it is? There's billions of suns. How many? Billions. billions of suns in our Milky Way. If that star were to actually go right into the Milky Way, would it crash with anything? Could it collide with something? Yes. You say yes. But the answer is no. Because God is asking the question, can you guide Arcturus with his sons? What does that mean? Who is guiding it then? God. God. If God is guiding that star, can it collide with anything? What's the answer? No. So, God is saying to Job, Job, you're worried about your life, the way you're going. You don't understand what's happening to you. But Job, look, if I can take care of Arcturus, I can take care of you. You get, you get what God is, is saying? All right? Job, your little life is not too difficult for me. Because can you do what I'm doing? And the answer is, no. All right? Listen. Here it's Arcturus. It's actually flying right now down this direction towards Spica. Again, uh, it, this uh, phenomenon was discovered because of the great telescopes that have been recently invented. The Palomar Telescope, by the way, has the ability of, of measuring the angle of the head of a straight pin at 200 miles. So, you have this telescope now that can discover things that before we could not discover. 
There's another telescope. That is the Hubble telescope. The Hubble telescope is amazing. It can take pictures into far, far distance in, the, in space. It's interesting that recently what they did, not too long ago, they wanted to know if there was anything in the darkness. In what? Darkness. In the darkness. So they fixed the Hubble telescope at one spot, the size of a dime that you can see 75 feet away. Okay? So if you're over there at that glass, uh, you might be able to see the dime this far. All right? So they fixed it at that spot. You know what they discovered? That in that spot, there were 1,500 galaxies. How many? 1,500 galaxies with billions and billions and billions of stars. That's why Jeremiah says, can heaven be searched out? <laughs> All right? So, listen. Look at this galaxy. Can you see the density of stars there? If our tourists were to fly into that, would it collide with anything? No. Now what's the answer? No. no. Why? Because God's God is guiding it. Now, you have to ask the question. How did the writer of Job know how to write such significant questions? How did they know? Because the master astronomer taught him. Okay, these questions were inspired. They were what? Inspired. They're inspired. All right. So there are many galaxies out there. Not too long ago, you remember this? Uh, a meteorite came to space and it was uh, actually 30 times the energy of the atomic bomb drop on Hiroshima. It was traveling how fast? 29,000 miles per hour. And fortunately, it exploded before it hit the Earth. But when it exploded before it hit the Earth, it did so over in, in Russia, and it shattered thousands and thousands of windows. That's a, a little P in comparison to Arcturus. Can you imagine the magnitude of explosion if Arcturus were to collide with something out there? Can you imagine the impact it would have? All right. And yet, it has been traveling for how long now? Over 3,500 years. And it's still traveling. Why? Because who's guiding it? God. It is God. If you ever have any questions about whether God can guide your life or not, <laughs> think of Arcturus. If God can guide that star, he certainly can guide your life. What do you say? Amen. But listen, there's more. Okay? Uh, there are many, many um, clusters of galaxies, etc. But I want you to notice what it says here in Job 9, which maketh what? Arcturus, what else? Orion and Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, which doeth what? Great things, what? Past finding out, and wonders without number. Amen. We serve a great God. What do you say? Amen. But I'm not finished. Right? In Amos chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Seek who? Him. Seek him that maketh the seven stars, and Orion, and turneth the shadow of death into the morning, and maketh the day dark with night, that calleth for the waters of the sea, and poureth them out on the face of the earth. For a long time, people did not understand why it rained. They didn't know where rain came from. They thought it just came from the clouds. But the Bible told us a long time ago where rain came from. 
Where does it come from? Notice what it says. That calleth the waters out of where? The sea and that's what with them? Pour them out upon the face of the earth. Scientists recently discovered that that's the reality. That what? That that's the reality. That the rain actually comes because water evaporates from the sea, goes up, becomes clouds, and then drops them on the earth. Columbus sailed around the world in 1492 across the ocean blue, right? Uh, but did he discover that the earth was round? No, the Bible already told him that the earth was round. Columbus was a student of the scriptures, and he also wrote, there are some commentaries that Columbus wrote, in Spanish of course, on Revelation and Daniel. Did you know that? He was a Bible student. In fact, the doctor who came with him to interpret for him into Hebrew was a Jewish man named Louis Torres. <laughs> it was not me. Okay. But the point is this. Those people were looking into the Bible because the Bible said that the earth is a circle. It's a what? Circle. It's a circle. So the Bible already had told us that the earth was round. All people had to do was just believe what the Bible said. But they didn't. In those days they had all funny ideas about the Bible, about the earth. Some believe, in fact the Hindus believe that it was, the earth sat on a, on a, first it was a turtle, a giant turtle, and it had four elephants on top of the turtle, and then the earth sat upon the four elephants. Okay. Those are the ideas that people had about the earth. Others believed that the earth was flat. Remember that? If you went too far, you went off the edge of the, the earth. Well, if they had read the Bible, they would have not had any of those funny ideas. But they thought they were smarter than the scriptures. But now we know that the scriptures are smarter than they were. All right, now, second question. Can you bind the what? Sweet influences of the Pleiades. Now, in, in the book of, of Job 9, it's it called the Pleiades the seven sisters or seven stars. The reason for that is that most people know the seven sisters, but they do not know Pleiades. Pleiades is the actual uh, name for that cluster of stars. Now, notice it said, can you bind the sweet influence of the Pleiades? In other words, can you keep the Pleiades together? That's the question. Why did God ask such a question? Well, because the Pleiades happens to be uh, the, the actually 250 stars together. How many? But the naked eye sees about seven stars, so that's why they call them the seven sisters. All right, so from the most ancient times, men have regarded the Pleiades, a brilliant star cluster in the constellation of Taurus. And by the way, some people think that Taurus means bull. This Taurus means bull, but my name means Towers. Okay, T-O-R-R-E-S is a Jewish name which was uh, Towers in English. Did you know that? You know the name Perez, P-E-R-E-Z? Most people think it's a Spanish name. It's not. It's a Jewish name. You'll find it in the Bible. You see, the more you read the Bible, the more you know. You understand? All right, so uh, here is a picture of them, some of them. And uh, it's, it's this, uh, these stars, okay? There are actually 250 of them together. And the amazing thing about it is that this is the only group of stars that are bound together, traveling at the same speed to the same destination. All right? So, here they are. Can you see them? Can you see the Pleiades here? Okay. So, they're actually the only group of stars in the heavens that are bound together in this kinship 
and they are traveling together like a flock of birds into the same destination at the same speed. So God says, uh, Job, can you keep those stars together? What's the answer? Why, what is God intimidating here? What is he intimating here? Job, if I can keep those stars together, I certainly I can keep you together. Okay? Sometimes you wonder, you know, that things are out of control, that you don't know what's happening, etc. The reality is, that's why Jesus said, don't worry about the kind of things that the heathens worry about. Because the heathens depend upon the stars and everything else, you see. But if you are my child, you depend upon me. And if you depend upon me, you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat and how you're going to get dressed and all those things. Because if I can take care of the birds and feed them, certainly I can feed you. Okay. So here's a God who is asking straight questions simply to cause us to reflect on how great God really is. So can you bind us with influence of the play of this job? Can you keep those stars together? How many of you think that he could? But who can? God. So how did the writer of Job know that those stars hung together? The master astronomer revealed it to them again. All right? So, the next question, can you lose the band? The one question was, can you hold them together? And this one is, can you lose the band to Orion? So what does that mean? Well, let's look at Orion. This is the constellation of Orion. And basically, Orion was supposed to be a Greek mythology. Uh, Orion was supposed to be a great hunter who boasted he could kill anything, but a scorpion stung him in the heel and he died. And by the way, scorpions normal, normally kill people. It's a painful st uh, sting, but it rarely does, does it kill people. Uh, but Greek mythology at least serves for us to locate the stars. How many of you know where Orion is at nighttime? You know where it comes? It, does it rise from the east or from the west? <laughs> it rises from the east. Now, Huh? Nothing can rise from the west. Nothing can rise from the west because the earth has to spin a certain way. Okay. All right. Well, but, <laughs> you know, you have to ask some simple questions, right? Okay. So the, the interesting thing about it is this, that this particular uh, hunter boasted he could do everything, uh, and he died. But the, the naming of the constellations and trying to form them into, you know, scorpions or hunters or uh, dogs or whatever uh, gave us at least an idea of how to connect the stars. So here you have it. Now, when it speaks about the bands of Orion, it's speaking about right here, okay? So this is supposed to be the belt or the bands of Orion. The sword is, has three, three suns or three stars, all right? And then there's these two great stars that we'll, we'll uh, address in just a moment. So, uh, the, the question is, Job, can you lose the bands of Orion? And what's interesting is this, that presently, see what I said? Presently, the bands are being loose. Loosed. Presently, the stars are moving, and they'll become a double-naked eye, and the band will be loose. All right? Now, most of us uh, see, this is Orion, the three stars here, which makes the, the, the actual belt. 
But for most of us, it looks like a kite, you know, up in the sky. So I, I drew some lines here just so you can see what it actually looks like. So here's the total picture of the, of the lines. And you can then see how it actually looks like a, an old kite. How many of you remember flying a kite when you were children? Okay, there it is, all right? So here's the tail of the kite, uh, the three stars here, and then the bands. Okay. Now, the question is, Job, can you lose that, all right? Now, there's some interesting things concerning that particular area. And so, for example, Herschel, the, the astronomer, said, all human discoveries seem to be made only for what purpose? Of confirming more and strongly the truths that come from on high and are contained where? In the Bible. Okay. That's a scientist who made that statement. Now, uh, recently I submitted this for an article in Germany. And the lady who was the editor submitted it to an astrophysicist. And he immediately rejected it. Thought I was funny duddy. And so she wrote me and she said, I'm having problems getting this thing printed because the astrophysicist, you know, doesn't support it. I said, the problem is that he's not really looking at the support for what I established. So I'm going to send you updated materials so that you can share with him so he can see that what I'm saying is correct. So I sent him all the supporting material and she wrote back and she said, he's on board. Mm, Amen. He accepted it and I'm publishing the article. So it's in German, so you can't read it unless you speak German, all right. So here's what's interesting about, about this project. Regal here, this star in this part of Orion, the knee, is actually a star that's 14,000 times brighter than our sun. How bright? 14,000 times brighter than our sun. So if you were to look at our sun and you stare at it, you go blind, right? But if you look at this one, uh, you won't be able to look at it. It's, it's that bright, 14,000 times brighter. Uh, then there's another star in Orion, and that star is called, how do you pronounce that, do you know? It is Betelgeuse. A lot of people pronounce it Beagle, uh, uh, Betelgeuse, right? But it's actually Betelgeuse, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Betelgeuse is an interesting star. Uh, if you notice the size of the star in comparison to the Earth's orbit around our sun and the orbit of Jupiter around our sun, you can see how big it is. But listen, uh, some of you have seen some of this uh, before, but let me just help you to understand how big we really are and how small we really are. Number one, we happen to be bigger than Pluto and then Mercury, then Mars, and then Venus. So we're the fifth big, biggest uh, orb in our galaxy, or should I say in our orbit around the sun. However, uh, when you compare our Earth with Jupiter, what do you get? So how big are we? Here's Earth, and here's Jupiter. But let's continue, because we want to see how big Betelgeuse is, right? So let's continue. Uh, here's our Earth in relationship to our sun. So how big are we? All right. But then we go to the next one. Here's our sun. And where's our Earth? Our Earth has disappeared. Okay. 
And you see how big Arcturus is comparing to the sun. Okay. Can you understand why David wrote, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou considereth him? When you understand these details, you will begin to realize that we are really quite small. Right? And you think that God did not only make us, God made things that are even much smaller than we are. The atom. How great God is. What do you say? But listen, our church is that size in comparison to the sun. But here's Beetlejuice. And where's Arcturus? Here it is. Okay. So how big is planet Earth? I was flying over Loma Linda the other day, Friday, for a funeral. And I saw all the traffic moving from Los Angeles to Loma Linda. Yes, a barrage of vehicles flying this way and flying that way and going here and going there. And uh, the thought struck me. It's amazing that my God knows every person, what they're doing exactly right now, not just here, but around the globe. Then I thought, how great is God's radar system? What do you say? Amen. That can keep track of all this. Think about it. When I was a kid, I used to see people moving their lips, and I thought they were, do you understand? You know what that means, right? Is that what that means, Michael? Yeah, okay. All right, so that's what I thought, because you think, who do they think they're talking to? You know, these people are crazy. But now, no one questions that you can cast noise into the air and they could travel around the globe. And somebody else in another part of the earth can hear it. Any question about that now? Any of you have cell phones? All right. You have to pay for it. But with God's cell phone system, it's free. And the amazing thing is that you'll never get a busy signal. And the battery does not die. That's correct. Correct. And so... How big is God? Well, if we were to take the view a proportionately size, and we would determine how big you would be on Beetlejuice. Okay, this is how small you are here, right? But if you lived on Beetlejuice, this is what you would be. Comparison. Let me give you some measurements, okay? The length of your calf would be nine and a half miles. The length of your leg would be 18 and a half miles. Your finger would be 11,000 feet. Your forearm, just the circumference, would be 8 miles. Your chest would be 138,000 feet. Your height would be 37 and a half miles. There are, there are things humongous out there. What do you say? I mean, we're just a speck. We're just a speck. And yet God is asking Job the question. Job. I know you're troubled. I know you don't understand. But Job, look, can you do what I do? And what's the answer? No. But the fact that I can do it should give you confidence that I can take care of your little life. All right? Now, 
Recently, they discovered that the three stars in the Sword of Orion are not, one of them is not a star after all. The brightest one, which is in the middle, actually turns out to be a cave. A cave. So when you look up into the sky, you see the three stars in the, in the sword, you think they're stars. Two of them are, one of them is not. The middle one is a cave. But it is brighter than the other two stars. Well, that has surprised the scientific community. And so they've been studying. They've been what? Studying. They've been studying because it has, it has really just conf confounded them because this particular cave is extremely bright. It's, it's what? Bright. Extremely bright. And they can't figure out what makes the light. All right? So, uh, is there not some vast mystery concealed in that part of the heavens? To me, at least, it seems so, for I can never shake off the impression that the creative power which made the universe lavishes richest gifts upon the locality in and surrounding Orion. Uh, Garrett Service is another Christian astronomer. All right. Now, Tennyson wrote, a single misty star, which is the second in the line of stars that seem a sword beneath a belt of three. I never gazed upon it, but I dreamed of some vast charm concluding in that star would make all worldly things seem as nothing. I wonder what caused Tennyson to write that poem. But listen, it turns out that that particular hole is called the what? The open space in Orion. Now let's consider this open space. What does all along appear to be a surf, flat surface of nebulous matter in the sort of Orion is shown to be the mouth of a cavern, a deep opening receding into the mighty distance beyond. This is Lucian Larkin from uh, Law Observatory. It is like looking in at a door into the rear of the cave, deep within glittering nebulosity. The chasm is the most beautiful object visible to human sight. Pillars, columns, walls, faculties, bulwarks, stalactites, stalactites are within deeps of deeps. They glow and shine with superbly light. The distance of the rear of the chasm from the opening cannot be measured, but it must be what? Three times, Three times greater in distance that, than width, or 51 trillion miles. 51 trillion miles. Sirius and Centurii, which are two constellations, uh, following would find ample room within this cosmic uh, deep. Torn, twisted, and distorted masses of shining gaseous matter adorned with myriads of glittering points, and the whole forms a scene of indescribable magnificence. This titan mass of pearly light, whence its origin? If it is a cold light, a luminosity not due to heat, as in the case of the firefly, then the mystery is beyond any solution in the present power of science. If due to heat, the quantity of heat must be that as of what? Millions, Millions of white hot suns. They do not know what is causing the light. They do know that it is extremely bright. So God asked the question, can you lose the bands of Orion? Now, let's consider something very, very pertinent here. Uh, this dramatic image, let me uh, back that up. Let me see. This dramatic image offers 
a peak inside a cavern of rolling dust and gas where thousands of stars are forming, they assume. The image taken by the Advanced Camera of Sur for Surveys, ACS, aboard the NASA's Hubble Space Telescope represents the sharpest view ever taken in this region, called the Orion Nebula. More than 3,000 stars of various sizes appear in this image. Some of them have never been seen in visible light. These stars reside in the dramatic dust and gas landscape of plateaus, mountains, and valleys that are rem reminiscent of the Grand Canyon. By the way, because this is from NASA, that's one of the things I sent to that astrophysicist. He had never studied that, so now he understands. All right, now, there are many caves that I've been to around the globe. I've been to Poland, I've been to New Zealand, Australia. Uh, how many of you like cave uh, exploration? You like to explore caves? Yeah. Uh, you see the stalactites, stalactites. The first time I was introduced into those caverns, uh, was uh, Las Vegas, of all places. Uh, Skip McCarty and I were, were working together. I think he's a professor at Andrews right now. But he and I were young pups in those days, and he was into stalactites and stalagmites, and he was always wowed with uh, stalactites or stalagmites defying gravity, you know, growing up the opposite way. But anyway, uh, gorgeous places around the globe. However, nothing compares to the cave in Orion. The cave in Orion is actually uh, 1,350 light years away. At least that's what they measure it. But let's look at something very important here concerning Orion. In 1848, December 16, Mrs. White wrote the following, the Lord gave me a view of the shaking of the powers of the heavens. Dark, heavy clouds came up and clashed against each other. The atmosphere parted and rolled back. Then we could look up through the open space where? In Orion. Whence came the voice of God. Whence means from where came the voice of God. The holy city will come down through that open space. Now question. How did Mrs. White in 1848 know that there was an open space in Orion? If you look up into the heavens, can you see an open space? No. Then how does she know? And it's interesting that she says that the holy city will come down from that. It didn't say it might. What does it say? It will come from that open space. Is it possible that we have located the heavens of heavens? Is it possible that the reason why it's so bright is because there's somebody glorious in the depths of that cave? Is that possible? According to the promise of Christ, in Luke, I mean, pardon me, in John chapter 14, you all know that promise, right? Let not your heart be... You believe in God, believe also in? In my Father's house are? Many men. If it were not so, I would have told you. I do what? Go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. I should tell you this, that if you're down under, speaking about uh, either South America or New Zealand or Australia, you can see the Southern Cross but you cannot see the North Star. 
If you're up where we are, you can see the North Star, but you cannot see the Southern Cross. But it doesn't matter where you're on the planet, you can see Orion. And the Bible says that Jesus will come from which direction? The north, the south, the east, or the west? East. He comes out of the east. So, if it is true that the Holy City will come down from that open space, can it be also true that Jesus will return down to the earth from that open space? Amen. Which is in the east. And he said that when he comes, he says, As the lightning shineth from the east, even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So our Lord will come from where? From the east. All right? Now, Jesus promised that he would come. Can you imagine the angels descending from Orion, coming down for the greatest rescue mission ever undertaken in all of the universe? This is a time when the Lord with all his saints, with all the angelic hosts, will be flying down to rescue you and rescue me. He promised he would come again. What do you say? Amen. And he will keep his promise. And so, as he descends down to the surf with the glory of the Father, his own glory, the glory of all the angels, he will come close to the earth. And as he comes close to the earth, those who have waited for him will look up and say, this is our Lord, we have waited for him, and he will save, save us. us. And then the dead in Christ Come up out of the graves. What a glorious day that will be. What do you say? Amen. And then all of the saints. How many? All. all of the saints will be taken together. The children and all who have loved Christ will be gathered together. And then they will be lifted up into the sky. And the greatest procession in the history of the universe will take place. When I was at the graduation uh, this past Sunday at PUC, Pacific Union College, and I saw the students who just finished their um, studies marching up, you know, the old song. Dun, dun, da, da, dee, dee, dee. And you see these young people going up and they're holding up their hands. And all of a sudden, my mind came the picture of the glorious, glorious day when there'll be the, 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 the greatest graduation service ever, where all of the those beings living in other in outer space, all of those who love and follow God right now, the angelic host and all the, the inhabitants of the planet will probably be gathered together for that great, great procession of the earthlings who have made it. Can you imagine that? And so Jesus then carries all of the people up and up and up, and the earth will get smaller and Smaller and smaller. At last, we'll be leaving the planet and taking the flight that Jesus has promised. And then can you imagine the sightseeing tour as Jesus points out this glorious thing and that glorious thing. All his creation. Can you imagine? We will be breathless. Our mouths will remain open rather than ah, and then shut. It'll be ah, just remain open. As he points out to this and that and this and that and gives us the explanation of what it is, what it represents. There are beauties that just defy the imagination up in the skies. And so, as the earthlings are flying through space 
and everything is being pointed out. Finally, up ahead, they see the opening of Orion. And then in through Orion, they will fly. And then up ahead, some distance beyond, we will see the holy city. And our hearts will just beat with excitement and joy and eyes fully cheered as we consider that at last we're getting close to home. And then, as we get close to the wall, we know that Jesus will open up the gate and then place a crown on all those who have loved him. And finally will come the moment of moments, the day of days, as the righteous come before the throne of the Father. And at last we can hear the words, Welcome home, children. What a day that will be, what do you say? Oh, friends, listen. Eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, neither have entered into the hearts of things that God has prepared for his children. But it's coming soon. I believe with all my heart and soul that the Master is coming soon. Amen. We are being pushed into situations that, that are just bogging the mind of people. How do you get a Trump being a president of a nation? How do you get a bus driver being the president of another country? You know, things are just going wacky, aren't they? And I'm not downplaying Trump. I'm just saying that the things that have taken place are not the usual. You agree with that? Amen. Things are different. Things are happening. The unusual is taking place. Bizarre things are happening, not just in the political world, but in the religious world. I mean, just recently, 500 years celebration, the Lutherans and the Catholics signed a pact together. If Luther was awake, he would have died of a heart attack. You understand what I'm saying? Things are different. But listen, all of those things will pass into insignificance in that glorious day when all of the righteous will finally hear the voice of the Father exclaim, welcome home, children. How many of you want to be there? I tell you, I want to be there too. I plan by God's grace to be there. And I hope that all of you, as you feel the warmth in your heart right now, as those two disciples who said, didn't our hearts burn within us to think of all that God is preparing for us? Let us determine that we will be faithful until the end. Let's pray together. Holy Father, how glorious are the things that you've revealed to us as your children. Things that are beyond comprehension, but yet a reality because thou hast promised them. And this afternoon, our hearts are strangely warmed as we consider the moment when at last Jesus will come and we will stand before you and hear those glorious words, welcome home. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Oh God, Grant us that we will have complete families in your kingdom. Grant us, Lord, that all of our loved ones will make their peace with you. 
and that none here who are listening will fail to make their peace with you. Thank you for your love and your, your care for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.